The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, good morning, Ecclesia on the West Side. It is a gift to be with you today. This is a really special day uh, in the life and the history of our church uh, for a number of reasons. I'm going to unpack a few of them uh, for you. One, Uh, is that this week, uh, 19 years ago, was our first time to gather as a church and worship, that we officially turned 19 years old this week. So happy birthday, Ecclesia. We think that's a pretty great gift. And uh, it's in those places of reflection, right, that your faith is always increased. I can look back to days that I just wonder, like, how in the world um, are we still in existence? There were so many times in our history that we just thought, well, this is it. We are probably uh, done. Uh, Specifically in the the first couple of years, uh, I remember getting to a place where we invested literally all that we had, my family, the church, all of our assets, invested in this little building in Montrose that we thought was just gonna be amazing. And we got into it and we realized it had way more asbestos than we ever dreamed. And it was the worst kind of asbestos. It was the kind that was in like the ceiling tile. So literally, Uh, in the area that the kids were gonna play. Like if they threw a ball up and hit the roof, like asbestos would just fly in a smoke cloud above them. That's the kind you want to abate, by the way. You want to clear that out. And, uh, And so we went into debt so we could pay these people to come take the asbestos out and literally just tear up our building. And in that process, Right? It got us on the city's radar of an bi- old church building uh, that we thought it's been a church forever. It can still be a church. But they said, well, we have new restrictions for churches and you don't have enough parking. So they came and they slapped a red tag on our building and they said, like, you can't meet in this building. You can't use this building. And all of a sudden we were like, everything we own, right, is basically this building and it's useless to us. It's been torn up with asbestos abatement. Now we're in debt because of it. And I looked and I remember the earliest days looking at our family, like we own a car somebody gave to us, like they all had like 300,000 miles on them. And I looked and I was like, what is my greatest asset? Like what's the most valuable thing I own? And I kid you not, um, when I went through, many of you do that, you go through your exercise, like, what do I have? What, what, what um, things has God given me and how do I utilize those? My most valuable asset at that point in my life it sounds ridiculous to say, was my uh, President's Club membership. I I literally, my father-in-law had helped me the year before because in those years I paid the bills by traveling to speak wherever I could speak, right? So uh, I'd speak at a bar mitzvah if if they paid me, right? And I'd just travel to speak and he said, hey, listen, you're in airports all the time. What you need to do is join an airport club. And I'm like, you know, I'm telling my father-in-law, like, I'm plan a church. I don't have any money. I can't join an airport club. So he said, hey, I looked it up and Continental has a deal right now. And you can be, become a lifetime member of Continental's President's Club for $1,700, which they would never do that today. Um, but he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay for it. And every time you go speak at something, send me 50 bucks until we pay it off. Right? Great father-in-law. And, uh, and so he did. And, uh, and I literally get to the place in our life, we, have, we, have, we own nothing. My most valuable asset is that if I'm starving, I can always go to the president's club. <laughs> and, um, and the reality is that's kind of where our life was, right? Lisa and I were broke. And so if you wanted to have a date night, basically on Friday nights, I'd look to her and be like, hey, babe, you want to go to the president's club? It'll be awesome. The drinks are free. It's ladies' night at the President's Club. (laughs) 
And uh, those of you that remember pre 9-11, like you could just go to the airport, right? And then all of a sudden I realized like if we're gonna have a consistent date night at the President's Club on Friday and Friday's my study day for my sermon, like why don't I just get up there early? Cause they got these things in the President's Club, right? You got a little desk, you got your own office and I'd go in, I'd set up and I'd start studying for my sermon. And then I realized like Ecclesia didn't have an office. We didn't have any office equipment. And uh, when you go into the President's Club, they had these, right? <laughs> I kid you not, Ecclesia. The earliest days we used to have bulletins at the church service, and I used to go to the President's Club, and I'd copy all the Ecclesia bulletins in the President's Club. So I literally, I'd start burning through them, and then I'd go up to the front desk and be like, you're out of paper again? <laughs> and they'd fill it up with more paper, and I'd leave with all the Ecclesia bulletins. Right? And if you're at the President's Club very long, then you kind of figure out like, well, I could finally make my way over here. And then they started pouring me these every couple of hours. And, uh, and my sermons just kept getting better and better and better. They were getting more creative and out of the box thinking. And, uh, and literally, it sounds like a bad joke, right? But, um, but in those years, it's about all we had. And uh, you don't have to be a brilliant mathematician uh, to figure out that if we turned 19 this week, um, that a year ago, when we were in the thick of it and caring for the city, uh, we became an adult as a church. We turned 18. And it, it goes beyond ironic because for years, the great part about being a church like Ecclesia is that we could do crazy things that most churches couldn't get away with. And when people would ask me, like, how can you do that? I'd go, well, we're like 14. We're a teenager, right? That's... <laughs> That's what teenagers do. You just do crazy things and nobody, we're a teenager, right? And that was always my excuse. And then all of a sudden it's like, we turned 18 and God said, you ready to be a grown up church now? How are you gonna take care of your city? What are you gonna do when the people in the city that you love, that you claim that you love, that you love as Jesus would love, how will you respond as an adult? And I gotta tell you, Ecclesia, the way that you responded, it was miraculous. I don't have another word, I don't have another word. And I'm gonna do my best today to tell you the story of what's happened over the last year. And I think if you'll step back from it with me for a moment, you will conclude as I have, that was a miracle. Because the reality is the things that we have done that we've gotten to be a part of together are not the kind of things that you naturally just wanna do because the reality is, right, most of us know this, being an adult is actually no fun, right? Isn't it ironic, like we say to our kids, like you're, when you're a kid, you can't wait to be an adult. You're gonna be liberated. You're gonna have all this freedom, right? And then you realize like, wait, the refrigerator doesn't just fill itself, right? And the bills don't just get paid and everything about being an adult is hard, right? You become an adult and you realize like, I don't like being an adult. I wish I could be a kid again. Because literally the only things that's, that's easy about adulting, right? The only things that I do easy these days are hurt my back or gain weight. Those are the only things. And I can do that so easily. Like I can gain weight like you wouldn't even believe. No effort at all. It comes so naturally to me. But the kind of things that you have to do day after day after day to care for yourself and care for your family, and we've learned as an adult church to care for your city and those that are in need is, um, it's difficult. So this last week, we went uh, away with our story team to try to chronicle some of the stories of what have happened uh, over the last year. And um, 
Literally, there are so many, I can hardly even scratch the surface. At times, I feel like I have to talk like an auctioneer to get in as many of the stories as I possibly can because there is so much to tell you. But part of that story really involves some of the things that God had given us. And so one of those things is the campus that we had bought about three and a half years ago in East Downtown. And so we decided to go over to the rooftop of that campus in East Downtown, a place that some of you have seen and some of you probably know very little about, so that we could weave it into the story of what God's done and through our church and in our church in the midst of what's happened in our city uh, over the last year. So. So Ecclesia, how can I begin to tell you the story of what happened in Houston and in and through our community in the days after Hurricane Harvey? It's hard to even begin a year later to wrap our minds around it. But I can tell you the process that we went through and we did what Ecclesians always do. Our logo is an open hand and what we've said is we wanna live open-handed lives. And so what do you do when times get hard? You look and see what's in your hand. And in those days, what was in our hand was a lot of pain. What we know is this is the second worst rain event in American history. That's hard to fathom. In one place in Houston, more than 55 inches of rain. Like, no place can sustain that. Uh, we know that there were 203,000, imagine that, 203,000 homes that were affected by the floodwaters. Uh, we know that that included uh, over 13 million people and 88 people that lost their lives in the aftermath of this storm. So what do you do when you're an Ecclesian and you've got all that pain, you look in your hand and you go, we got pain, we got suffering, we got people in our community that have a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and the people in the city that we love, what do you do? You look and see what else you've got in your hand. And for us, that were our assets. What do we have? And the greatest thing we had going for us, hands down, is that we had more than 3,500 people, 3,500 Ecclesians that worship at Ecclesia, and it's your force, your work, your service, your love, that was so transforming in the days after the storm. We know that when we made a rally cry, we had more than 2,000 Ecclesians respond to that. And we know that doesn't include every Ecclesian. Those were the people that came to our sites, that came through our hubs, because we had 3,500 people ready to serve, not just any people, right? Not just any Houstonians, but Houstonians who love Jesus, that are mission-minded and ready to serve. And so you just responded. And we instantly set up five hubs across the city, the first one, uh, was over in Meyerland. The Reese family had raised their home after it had flooded, and so their house didn't flood. And so what did they do? They said, we could be uh, the hub, the operation base to serve all of our neighbors. And so we started bringing equipment and supplies and people into their neighborhood. They had people living and staying with them, flooding out everywhere, literally people just everywhere that were coming there to serve in that city. And before you know it, we had places all over the city and uh, in Briar Forest and Nottingham. Uh, we had people over in Denver Harbor for sure. And a lot of people on what became one of our primary hubs on the east side of the city that I'll tell you more about. Because we had people, we had places to mobilize. What else did we have? We had faith. We had the kind of faith that said, we can raise money. And you know what, Ecclesia, it's unbelievable. Your generosity and the generosity of our friends and church partners, I gotta tell you, I believe in the church. And you know one of the reasons I believe in the church is because the church on the whole responded when we had a need. We had enough faith 
that when we made a call to our friends and to our church family, we raised over $1.6 million that we could use to help people affected by the storm. We had churches bringing us truckloads, truckloads of equipment and cleaning supplies that we needed. We gave over three quarters of a million dollars worth of supplies away in the couple of weeks after the storm. And Ecclesia, because we had people, we had hubs, and we had work getting done, you mucked out in the, in the houses that we coordinated, more than 600 homes. You went in and you cleaned them out from beginning to end. We went to one house, and after we got that done, maybe it was an Ecclesian, then we went and we took care of their neighbors, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And I was out with you, and I'm telling you, not only did you do it, you did it with the attitude of Jesus. You, you played music, and you made it a party, and you loved on the people that were suffering, and you prayed with them, and I'm overwhelmed by it. And because our church partners, our friends across the country brought in all the supplies we needed and we gave them away for free, we just kept making friends. And you know, those churches, there's more than I could ever list. They were amazing. Churches like Mariner's Church or the Crossing Church uh, in Missouri, amazing partners in New York City and Chicago, Parkview Church in Chicago, Soul City Church, a ton of great churches. All the churches in Portland came together and served us. They were beautiful. And I believe in the church because the, the global church came together and our local church came together. We had people. And you know what we had? We had faith. We had faith that we could raise the money, that we could make an impact, and we stayed at it. We kept doing the work that God had called us to. And you know what else we had? It's crazy, because our church was about 18 years old and we started with nothing. But in this place, when the storm rolled in, we had four campuses. I'm gonna tell you the story of those four campuses because it's unbelievable that our little church had started in Montrose with 17 parking spots and stayed there for about 13 years with 17 parking spots, was finally in the place when Hurricane Harvey hits that we own four different campuses. And you know what, when Hurricane Harvey rolled in, we had four. And in the days after the storm, we subtracted to three. And that's the story I wanna tell you. The things you did at 1100 Elder were amazing. And when we moved into that campus, we thought we'd be there forever and we wouldn't need to grow anymore, but it didn't take long and four services were often filled and we knew we needed to do something. And we chased after a building I love. I'm standing on the roof of it right now. George R. Brown Convention Center is right behind me. The Toyota Center is just over to this side. And that amazing spot, Minute Maid Park, where our blessed Houston Astros just won a World Series right over there. We're just right in the thick of it. And we thought if we could buy that place and have a church there, it used to be the Meridian Nightclub. The building's covered with what I believe is the best street art, not just in the city, but in the state. It's amazing. People are always here taking photos of it because the building is that beautiful. And we went after it and we bought it and we were gonna make the most beautiful church campus you could ever imagine. Elder on one side, this Edo campus on the other side. It was a great dream come true. And if you weren't around in those days, this is what you need to know. We bought it, we built a little model of what it was gonna look like. Architects were ready, permits were issued, we were ready to renovate, and we got news and an announcement that TxDOT wanted the building more than we did. They wanted to make it a highway, we wanted to make it a church. And this is what you need to know when you're negotiating with the government, the government always wins. They were gonna get it, and we were hurting. So what did we do? We cried for a while, we moped for a while, and then we stepped out in faith because we still needed space, and we went to two churches that had great buildings in areas that we have a lot of Ecclesians, one in Lindale Heights, and you know what they did? They said, we'll give you our building. It needs a lot of work and we're in the process. We've excavated it. We've got permits ready for it. You're gonna hear more about it. And one amazing one on Westside that hopefully most of you have at least seen, that Westside campus, 
I don't even know what to tell you. I can see it. It's beautiful. It's on Piney Point Road, 325 Piney Point. It's up and rolling. It's rocking and worship. This last week, we had over 140 just children in childcare. Um, we had two services with great crowds, great people, wonderful things happening. But that West Side campus, Pastor Jim Doremus led Memorial Drive Baptist Church to give us that property and to become a part of Ecclesia. And we got some great Christian people that joined with us in that journey. And you know what? We knew we were starting a campus there, but we had no idea when Harvey hit that that wasn't just a church campus. It was literally a hub of activity for ways we could serve the city. We started giving away all the things that people needed in the west side of Houston when they flooded. Everybody was coming to us. We had the dehumidifiers. At one point, we knew we had a lot more dehumidifiers than Home Depot had, except ours were free. People were coming to get them, pick them up, all the cleaning supplies, uh, wheelbarrows, saws, tools, you name it. We were giving it away out of one of the largest buildings we have on that campus. This is what you need to know. We turned it into a place we call Hotel Jesus. More than a thousand people People over the last year have come to stay for several days, sometimes weeks, and served our city, mucking out houses, rebuilding homes. They slept there. We put up great bunk beds. We turned it into a nice little spot. We feed them. We love them. We encourage them because they've been a blessing to our city. And this is what you ought to know, Ecclesia, that Westside campus, we wouldn't have it if TxDOT wasn't taking our building from us. In the weeks leading up to the storm, and this is the story I want you to hear, a miracle, I don't throw the word around, a miracle happened. We were in the final stages of a long, multi-year negotiation with TxDOT. I gotta tell you, it was frustrating trying to lead that negotiation. I'm a pastor. There were no classes in seminary on TxDOT negotiation. Nobody ever invited me to a single one. And yet, I'm a pastor and that's what I'm left with. But because of the faithful service of some amazing real estate professionals in our church, I couldn't name them all, so many that helped. Primarily, you need to know Austin Alvis, his name. You need to know, thank God for him. He had some great, great service to our church in this season. Mike Wyatt was a gift to our church and many other real estate professionals. And in the weeks leading up to the storm, we finally came to an equitable arrangement with TxDOT, an agreement that would pay us a fair value for this property. And this is why you need to know Ecclesia. Amazingly, it was more than twice what we had invested in this property. And this is what you need to know about that. It enables us to be the church that we can be. We're a unique church. Hard to find one in Houston or anywhere in the world that's more focused on mission than we are, both in our finances, our personnel, and our mindset. And what this enabled us to do would be to pay off all of our debt at $1,100, have the money we needed to start the renovations on the west side and at our Lendale campus, and give us the kind of budget reserves that a church of our size and our place in the city should have so that we're ready for hard times when they come, because they will come, and they came. They came, and they will come again. And Ecclesia, what we did in the days after the storm was a second miracle. I called TxDOT and said to them, not only did we come to an agreement, and I know we're supposed to close on this in like three months, we need to come to another agreement. We need an agreement where we can lease this place back for free because we wanna serve the city out of this building. And you know what? They agreed. Days after the storm, we were in a title company signing a contract that allowed us to sell the building to them and keep it and use it for free for kingdom work. And on the same day that we made that arrangement, I called World Vision and said, would you guys come down? I called Rich Stearns, the CEO and president of World Vision. Amazing, billion dollar Christian organization serving the poor all across the globe. And I said, Rich, 
Houston needs you, we need help. And you guys have a unique gifting at being able to run warehouses that bring in the goods and supplies that people need after they're affected by a storm like this. And you know what? Ecclesia will invest the money we need to invest to renovate this building if you'll come run a warehouse out of it. And you know what? Rich said, I'm getting on a plane. And he flew down, he brought his team. And they walked through the building and we spent time with them at $1,100 and they couldn't believe what you were doing as a church. And Rich said on that trip, we're all in. And Ecclesia, over the last year, we renovated this building, what we thought was our church campus. We listened to the Holy Spirit. We just didn't know that God had different plans than we had. And over the last year, out of this building, this is hard for me to fathom still, more than $8 million of gifts have been given to people across our city that were affected by the floods. More than $8 million. That's what you call multiplication, Ecclesia. And you know what? They're not done yet. It's gonna roll on for another year. We may be to 16 million next year. I don't know what God has planned, but I know Ecclesia that when we're faithful, when we give, when we serve, when we pull our resources together, there is absolutely no end to God's imagination for the ways that he can use us. I wish we were doing church here under this roof in East downtown, but you know what? The people that have been served across this city, this is what they'd tell us, you've been doing church because that's what the church does. It cares for those in need. In the weeks after the storm, we began to focus on the places we were mucking out houses and people that were impacted. We knew they needed food, they needed help. We had big food drops, but we knew that wasn't enough. And so can you believe this, Ecclesia, over the last year, you have given out $300,000 in HEB gift cards to people that were hungry and had needs. It's unbelievable, it's overwhelming. Wherever I went, it's been a blast to be the pastor of Ecclesia over the last year, because wherever I go, I would just ask people a really simple question. I wouldn't ask them if they were affected by Harvey. I'd just ask them, how are you affected by Harvey? And people would say, I got a family member. I got a neighbor. I was affected. You know me, I hang out at a lot of ethnic restaurants. I love the Middle East. I love Middle Eastern food. And I believe I'm kind of a missionary in Houston because I get to know my Muslim friends and neighbors. And I can't tell you how many times over the last year I've met a Muslim friend and I simply said to them what I have invited you to say, I just greeted them as you would greet a Muslim friend or neighbor, salam alaikum, peace to you. And they would say to me, alaikum salam. And I would ask them, were you affected by the storm? And they sometimes would say, yeah, my house flooded. And I would say, I'm a part of a church called Ecclesia and we wanna just help buy your groceries. I'd give them an HEB gift card or two or three or four, depending on how they were impacted. Or I'd say, your mother was affected. Will you give her a card to buy groceries? I can't even tell you the stories. There's too many of them. There's so many stories, but I wanna tell you the most recent. I was at the West Side preaching a couple of weeks ago and a dear sister came to visit Ecclesia for the first time. She came up and said, I wanted you to know this is my first time here. I've heard great things about this church and I'm expecting her to say what hopefully many of you would say, I'm here because I've heard great things about the preaching at this church. She didn't, she didn't say it, never came up. She never mentioned the preaching. You know what she said? I'm here because I kept hearing about the way your church served the city after Hurricane Harvey. And I wanna be a part of a church that's actually moving and working and getting things done. So I asked her what I've been asking people for a year. How'd you know that? And how were you affected by the storm? And she said, we were affected, um, our house flooded. And um, she's a single mom with two teenage kids and they're living in a really small travel trailer in their driveway. Um, it's not easy. They're not ready to get back in their house. They don't have the finances or the resources. We're gonna help. 
as we have with many people. We've done a lot of loan assistance, help them get what they need to renovate their homes and get back in. But I couldn't do that on that particular day. What I simply said to this kind and loving mother is, hey, will you give me a minute? And I went to get her some HEB gift cards. I wanna tell you, I just share with you, um, the card that she sent me, I got it today. This is what she said. She said, first, thanks for speaking to me. Thanks for speaking to my kids. I know your time's in short supply. And she says this, she says, I especially wanna thank you for the HEB gift cards. You so freely handed over to complete strangers attending your church for the first time. Ecclesia, that's what you've been doing. You meet people and they're like, you just give them a gift and people don't know what to do with it. And this sister was grateful. She said, what you didn't know is that I was about to go out to the store and spend money I didn't have on school supplies and groceries to get us through till payday. I was about to go overdrawn as I only had about $43 in my account. I have no doubt you don't want the credit, but I admire you for your faithfulness. It's your faithfulness, Ecclesia, for walking the walk and not just talking the talk. We've been hunting for a new church home and we're certain that we found one at Ecclesia. I hope you can put us to work, serving where we are most needed. See you Sunday. They sound like Ecclesians already, don't they? People that are ready to serve. And that's who you are, Ecclesia, that's who we are. And the storm just reminded us who we are. It just called us into action. I'm grateful for all these stories. There's so many more than I can tell you, but let me tell you finally why I'm most grateful for the way you responded in the storm. If you're a part of this community and you go through a hard time, I want you to know that your church is intending to be there for you. And we had a lot of Ecclesians that were affected. I can't tell you all the stories of the things that we were able to do in taking care of our own church family. There's more than I can count. We mucked out homes, we cleaned out homes, we rebuilt, we gave down payment assistance, we helped people buy new homes. We walked through hard times of trauma and pain and suffering. I can't tell you all of them. But I'd like to tell you the story of some longtime Ecclesians. The Barnes family are a gift from God. They've served faithfully, been a part of their small group for many years. They're encouraging to their pastor. By the way, that's a really great quality to have. So encouraging. I love, love, love them. And they've always been a blessing to me. And so when they had a time of need, we want to be a blessing to them. And so in the days after the storm, you rallied around the Barnes family. Marcus and Andrea, I'm so grateful they just went to the Holy Land with me as a part of their healing journey getting home. And they're beautiful kids, Alex and Eli and Mela. They're beautiful, beautiful kids. And they've been through a lot. And I wanted you to hear in their own words what they have to say to the church and to each of us as we try to empathize with their journey over the last year. see things that I knew were in our bedroom, out here in the living room. I mean, there was a part of me that was almost awestruck. Yeah, I just like detached from it. Like, I was like, this isn't reality. This is really just a bunch of craziness. I can't deal with this. I cannot. I have three kids. Like, I would function and do the daily things, but being present that like our house had flooded and we lost all our stuff and I was just like, mm, there's no way this is happening.
was a lot of tension between us. I just put on these, these blinders and was like, I'm just gonna pour everything I have into getting the house back and ready as quickly as possible to make my wife happy and to make my, my family feel safe. here when we got the house she took this painting to her house so it was at her house she set up a bed for us she did everything like it was it was really beautiful but then she put this over our over the bed and it just felt it just felt so safe and that was one of her big things I just wanted y'all to feel safe and comfortable and she really she she loved us well and we, we've been loved so well but she really went over and beyond what we, I would have ever expected from anybody. Because he wasn't around a lot, like I was doing the parenting by myself, which is never fun. So I, I started holding a little bit of resentment toward him that like he was never around. There was resentment building on both sides where, um, you know, she was, she had resentment towards me because I wasn't around and then I had resentment towards her because I'm like, I need you and you're not, and you're not here, I need your help. I'd come straight here from work and I would stay here until I was too tired and then I would go, then I would go back to, to Ashley's house. And I knew that I'd never processed, I hadn't cried, I hadn't done anything yet. And I told Andrea, I'm gonna go to the house and cry. I had my lawn chair, I had it sitting in the living room, and you know, of course, the floors are bare, the walls are bare, you know, uh, everything's, uh, everything's gutted out. And I just sat there in the living room, and I was like, all right, Marcus, let's make this happen. This is gonna sound really bizarre, but this is, this is literally what happened, is I faked it. I started to fake cry. And as I began fake crying, it turned real, like, like that, like, and I'm starting to tear up right now, but it just, it hit me. And, you know, I was really overwhelmed with the sense of loss and confusion. Why? That's what I just wanted to know, was why? Why did this happen to us, you know? One of the counselors there was Hannah Castle, and I was able to start going to see her every week. And I've done extensive therapy with her since then. And it's been, for me, really, really good, which of course then helped our relationship. Like in December, we like literally had nothing in here. Thankfully, it was, this is like really, coming back was hard because it, it didn't feel like home. It just felt awkward and there was nothing in here. We didn't have the couch yet and we just had like, I think we had two chairs in here. So it's still, now it feels like home. But it was, it's been a process emotionally and like just with the stuff. Like now I can say I'm really thankful Harvey happened and that there has been so much healing for our family. And um, yeah, we still need to do work in the house, but 
we're so much stronger because of it. Like yeah. I just. We have felt God's love. We have felt His love through the way our small group has loved us, through the way our church has loved us, and uh, the way our families have loved us. We we are beloved, and uh, we we are rescued. Ecclesia, I think Marcus says it really, really well. Um, we're beloved and we're rescued. And that's what we're called to as a church. Um, I've spent most of my life studying the Bible, um, but there are a few places in the Bible that I've looked historically and just gone, I don't really understand this. Um, there's, there's several. But the most profound for me in the New Testament is this place in the Gospel of John. If you read the Gospel of John all together, um, you get the love of God, you get the presence of Christ embodied the love of God for people so well that the disciples that he were with, it, it was so different if he was with them than if they were on their own. What you figure out when you read the Gospels, right, is that if Jesus is walking with you, things can be going pretty good. But as soon as Jesus wasn't around, those guys were a bunch of morons. They couldn't figure anything out, right? And, um, and you could tell, like, there's a Jesus factor. You know, when Jesus is present, that's a big deal. Even just he separates with them for a little while. They go off to get some food and he stays at the well and he meets this woman. And what happens with this woman, that interaction, like the disciples can't seem to connect. They can't put the pieces together because what Jesus did was so different. They just didn't even know. And what you get when you read the Gospel of John, you get to around chapter 13 and what you learn is they're really scared when Jesus starts saying, I'm gonna leave you. And they're going, hey, usually Jesus, even if we just separate to go get food, it doesn't go well for us. And they are getting really nervous. And, and Jesus starts explaining, well, like, I'm the vine and you're the branches and we're gonna be connected and I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's gonna come and it's gonna nourish you through that vine and branches. You're gonna be nourished. And, and then he says this, and it's unbelievable to me when you read it. It's, still, it's been one of the hardest passages for me to wrap my head around. Jesus says to them, when I leave, you're gonna do greater things than I did when I was here. Now you read the Gospel of John, you're like, you've gotta be kidding, Jesus. You're speaking in some kind of weird hyperbole because these guys can't seem to cross the street when you're not around, right? And, he's, and, and while he was here, it was just miracles, just naturally. He could turn water into wine. He could heal people that were profoundly ill. He, sometimes effortlessly, right? He's just walking and a woman touches the edge of his garment and she's healed, right? It just seemed to flow out of him. And so I read that and I go, are you sure you got that right, Jesus? And this is what I wanna tell you, Ecclesia. Over the last year, what I've seen is that Jesus knew what he was talking about in that passage. That if we came together and we were really the church, and we really pulled together all that we had, all of our gifts, all of our resources. I'm looking at people in the room that I'm just telling you, you didn't sleep much and you went out and you worked and you served and you gave and you cared for people and our efforts were multiplied in ways that were miraculous. And it just made really clear to me what I think I hope was already somewhat clear that I wanna spend my life devoted to the church. I wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus to people that are hurting. And I don't know exactly what that looks like over the next year, because my big prayer every day, I got a few of them, I pray for my wife, my kids. 
There are a few of you that have been ill. There are different things that I kind of click down and pray for. But you know, right after I get through that list of important prayers, the next thing I go to is I look on the internet and go, is there any storms down in the tropics? Because I want God to keep storms away from us, right? Because I'm like, I really believe that passage Jesus says he won't give us more than we can handle. And I'm officially gone. Hey, Jesus, that'd be way more than we can handle. Like just keep just enough rain, exactly the right amount this year, right? But I'm fascinated by the idea of the fact that I think more than ever, we turned 18 and we figured out what it looked like to be a grown up church. And I'm fascinated more than ever to go, what if the people around us, everybody around us isn't in crisis and we decide we're still gonna be that same kind of church over the next year? What kind of impact on the world could we have? What if we took all that effort, all those finances, all the things that we pulled together as a church, one that says we're not primarily about caring for ourselves. We really believe we're at our best when we're loving others. And we put that effort into caring for people like in Venezuela right now. What's happening in Venezuela is unbelievable. People are starving and they're fleeing and they're trying to find safety in other countries. What's happening in Nicaragua is alarming. It's painful. And this is in the Americas. These are places that are not far from us in terms of we can get on a plane and be in places that we can impact tonight, tonight. And so I wonder, Ecclesia, what would it look like? And I'm reminded, what I wanna remind you as we come to communion, Jesus wanted to make it really clear in Luke chapter 12, and as I look at a church that we went from, all we have were a few people and a President's Club membership, right? And a church that God said, hey, I'm gonna give you something. And I believe through the years, he said, you've done as much as you can, right? I think for a while we were taking communion with crackers from the President's Club. Um, maybe not, I hope we didn't really do that, but we might have, right? <laughs> just like whatever we could just get by. And God was like, you know what? I gave you little and you, you were faithful with it. I'm gonna give you some more, I'm gonna give you some more. And God's still looking going, now are you gonna be faithful with what I gave you? In Luke chapter 12, he tells this parable of two business owners and they put somebody in charge of the estate. And he says, one of them, he took care of the employees, he fed them well, he ran the business well, just like the owner of the business would have run it. And the other one, he thought the owner's gonna be gone. So I'm gonna drink too much, I'm gonna eat all his food, I'm gonna abuse the employees, I'm not gonna care well for it. And he just makes clear, if I give you something, I've got expectations. This is what he says in Luke chapter 12. He says, if a servant is given clear instructions, and by the way, I believe the New Testament gives us very clear instructions of what it looks like to be the church, that we're to love others as Christ has loved us. If a servant who is given clear instructions by his master doesn't follow those instructions, but instead is complacent and apathetic, and we could say it'd be really for, easy for those of us followers of Jesus, for the church on the whole, complacent and apathetic might be a pretty good description of the church on the whole at times. He says if they were complacent and apathetic, then he or she will be punished severely. But if a, if a servant doesn't know what his master expects and behaves badly, then he will receive a lighter punishment. If you were given much, Jesus says, much will be required of you. If much is entrusted to you, much will be expected of you. This is serious business we're involved in. I love, I love Ecclesia on the west side. I love the community that's forming here. 
But I got to tell you, Ecclesia on the west side, when I read Luke 12, and Jesus says, if I give you much, I'm going to require much of you. I think he had us direct in his sight. He was looking at us like, hey, you guys, Ecclesia on the west side, like I have given you so much. And over the last year, I think he looked at us and said, what are you gonna do with it? And I think God has looked down and he's just gone, I'm really grateful for what you did with what I've given you. And I'm praying that as we move forward that there is not a hurricane here, but that we are those same people. Generous, loving Jesus, servant-hearted, humble, believing that what God has given us is not really ours, it's his, and that we're gonna look out for his children in this neighborhood, in this city, and across the globe. And so I wanna invite you just to pray with me as we prepare to come to communion. I get really excited. I don't know about you, I don't know what you've devoted your life to. Some of you here are longtime Ecclesians, some of you are new Ecclesians, some of you are visiting for the first time. My encouragement is whether you're a part of this church, wherever it is, I wanna just tell you the most meaningful thing you can do with your life is be all in with God's church and decide, I'm gonna be in, I'm gonna be a part of it, I'm gonna be a part of this mission, and I'm gonna care for others. And that almost everything else in your life will pale in comparison to the, the miracles that we can experience when we actually share life together in those ways. So will you pray with me as we come to Christ's table? Lord God, we believe your words, even when I couldn't understand them. I'm grateful now that a difficult year has given me new eyes to see the reality that truly greater things could happen even when you were gone, that your Holy Spirit could come and dwell within us than if you had a church filled with people that were ready to do what you asked them to do, that miraculous and beautiful things could happen. And God, we believe we've seen that over the last year and we celebrate it and we ask once again, Lord, what is it that's in our hand and what are we to do with it and how will we respond? And today, God, we ask you to bless this bread. We're grateful to be in a community where we can be ourselves, where we don't have to be, pretend to be better than we are. But in the midst of our own brokenness, our own unique struggles, each of us come with something. And Lord, we pray that as we come to this table and today, God, we ask you to bless this bread, that this bread would be a reminder to us that you walk with us, that you live inside of us, that you've called us to a beautiful and significant mission in this world. Lord, we thank you for this cup, for this wine and juice that says to each and every one of us that we do fail, that we have failed, but that you do not see us as failures, that you see through our sin because you've forgiven us of our sin. And so God, we're grateful that you look upon us and you see your beloved, your rescued. And so Lord, we're grateful that even in this room, we have people that last year, they were rescuing other people and we have people in this room that were being rescued. And we're reminded, Lord, that that is our story. Lord, may we come together today at the table of the beloved. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.